All right, gang, how's everybody doing? If you can make your way back to your seats, we're going to jump in to this Melchizedek stuff again right off the bat. I'll give you some scripture. Uh, it can be some complex stuff. So, you know, they say a good teacher can make the complex simple, and I have a knack for making the simple complex. <clears throat> so why anybody comes back to hear me is beyond me. <laughs> uh, so Hebrews uh, chapter 7 and I want to just point this out about Melchizedek because it's important with where we're going today. We're going to talk today about Melchizedek, the order of Melchizedek, the Melchizedek priesthood, and the transformation of consciousness. The Melchizedek priesthood and the transformation of consciousness, because that's really the point. In chapter 7 of Hebrews, it says, uh, verse 11, let's just do this this way. Verse 11, therefore... If perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, or meaning the priesthood that existed in the temple at the time of Jesus, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not called according to the order of Aaron? Uh, Again, it just be, I just want to keep saying this because in the, in the charismatic world, all I ever heard taught was that Jesus and Melchizedek were the same person. But you cannot have an honest reading of Scripture and come to that conclusion. Because he doesn't say that Melchizedek should rise again or come again. He says that another should come after the order of Melchizedek. And order implies a series or more than one. So it just makes no sense to come to that conclusion in my view. Just from a simple reading of Scripture. I think sometimes we we make the simple complex. All right, anyway, going on. What further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not called according to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed. I can't wait to, we can focus on this verse, but we'll just read over it today. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken. Now here he's talking about Jesus. He of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe. Which from which no man has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek, not Melchizedek himself, that if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest. You see it? Who has not come according to a law of fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. That's the most important point you can get today. That the priesthood that Jesus serves under looks nothing like the Levitical priesthood. And the law came because of the priesthood. For no other reason. Because of the priesthood. Do you see it? So if the priesthood changes, then of necessity there is a change of law. So then he tells you what that is. You're moving from a law that has to deal with carnal or fleshly ordinances and shifting into the power of an endless life. So if you submit yourself to a Levitical priesthood, then you have to keep the law. But if you submit yourself to the order of Melchizedek, then you become, you're under a different order, you become a participant in the power of an endless life 
that has absolutely nothing to do with the carnal ordinances because it's literally not of this world. Melchizedek was... All right. Uh, Somebody's going to be like, what? What did he say? (laughs) Melchizedek was not from Adam's race. That's also very clear. So he's not Christ, but he's also not from Adam. Because Hebrews also makes that very clear. It says he had no genealogy. He had no mother and father. He had no beginning of days or end of life. So you could see how our brethren take that part and say, well, this can only apply to Christ. But see, that's the error in their thinking. There's nowhere in there that says this only applies to Christ. It says the exact opposite. It says what applied to him also applies to Christ. But because... Do you see it? And, and so the issue was, was that there had to come a priesthood that wasn't tied to Adam. That wasn't tied to sin. That wasn't tied to death. And wasn't tied to the fall. Who had to meet the father of our faith, who is Abraham. You don't have to be Jew. In fact, go read the book of Galatians, for the love of God. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. I'm dealing with atmospheric stuff. I'm dealing with, with, with stuff that's out there. Thoughts and beliefs. Listen, Paul is very clear. A Jew is not one who is one outwardly, but one who is one inwardly. And only those who are of faith are the children of Abraham. So only if you're of faith can you call Abraham your father. It has nothing to do with natural descent. It has nothing to do with it. Our father Abraham is our father Abraham not because he's Jewish, because he wasn't Jewish. Because Judah hadn't been born yet. See, most people don't know that the word Jew comes from Judah. It's not an Israelite, and it's not a Hebrew. It's a person born of the tribe of Judah or Benjamin. (laughs) So Abraham was not a Jew, and he is the father of our faith, right? So, So God is starting over with Abraham to get a blessing into the earth. Genesis chapter 12, it says... Uh, God tells Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing and in you or through you all the families of the earth, all the people groups of the earth, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. It was never the intention of God to single out one nation and make them blessed and make them superior and make them the chosen race and, and all that stuff. It was his purpose in Abraham to bless all the nations. All the people groups, all the family groups. Well, so the blessing didn't just pour out of heaven. The blessing was mediated by a priesthood because that's what a priest does. A priest in ancient cultures stood as the, as the icon of God, as, as the, can I say it? As the oracle of God, as the channel of God, and, and, and would mediate the, the, the spiritual into the natural. Right? So when Abram slaughters the kings, there's a metaphorical meaning to that. Because <laughs> what did Adam do? Adam decided that he was going to go his own way. <laughs> and eat at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and know for himself. 
So, so the whole problem with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is setting yourself at the center and then judging everybody else from your position of what's right and what's wrong. That's the knowledge of good and evil. It's not the tree of life. And the Levitical priesthood, the, the whole Adamic race comes out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the Levitical priesthood rises up out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But there's another tree over here with a different priesthood. Oh, I'm preaching better than you guys are... Come on, help me out this morning. I mean, seriously. So like, so like Adam and, and all that, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So everybody that eats from this tree is focused on ethics and, 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 and good and bad and morals and, and judgment and judging themselves and judging everybody else and trying to figure out how to get everybody to live right according to carnal ordinances. And there's a priesthood that goes with that. But that entire thing ends in death, results in death. Dead works. But there's another tree in the garden called the tree of life. So there, there's a priesthood to it. Why, why do we think that God just started everything with Adam? So there was a priesthood already in existence at the tree of life. So therefore, Melchizedek, in order to mediate the blessing that was lost in the fall... Back to the race of Adam, God picks Abram and then sends his high priest Melchizedek to mediate the blessing, which is the power of an endless life. Why? Because a seed had to come. See, it's all in there. When, come with me back to the fall. When, when, when Adam falls, who's the, who, what? Okay, let me, let me slow down. There's this thing in biblical scholarship called the Proto-Evangelion. See, I'm going to impress you with big words. The Proto-Evangelion. When you think of proto, you can think of prototype. Or the first, right? Evangelion. What does that sound like? Evangelism, evangelical, or gospel. So, the Proto-Evangelion is God speaking to the serpent. So if you Google it, look it up, Proto-Evangelion, it's going to be Genesis like 3.15 or something. And what does God tell the serpent? I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. You shall bruise his he or he, he will bruise your head, but whatever. He'll crush your head, but you'll bruise his heel, right? The issue is the seed. Genetics. So everything prior to Abraham is tied to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and death and fear and corruption and carnal ordinances and all that stuff. And the blessing's lost. So what God does is he starts over with Abram. Abram. All right. Adam. We did the, the Hebrew letters. Aleph, Dalet, Mem. Aleph is the first letter of the alphabet. It's the beginning. It's the ox. It's the one who cultivates. Right? Daleh is a door. So Adam was to be the image of God who was the doorway that God used to access the earth. And Mem has to do with water or consciousness. But the problem was Adam's consciousness Falls. Everybody say with me, fall. Right? 
So God picks, so what was lost in Adam, God wants to restore in Abram. Aleph, Beit, which is a family or a house. Resh, which is a head or exalted. Mem, which is water or consciousness. The resh, see the resh is the difference. Adam fell, so God's going to take a new Adam, Abram, a new head, a new ox, a new Aleph, to start a house and a family that will lift them out of the fall into exaltation, Resh, of the new mind of Christ, Mem. Do you see it? So now here comes Melchizedek from the tree of life who's mediating the blessing that God promised to all nations through Abram, the head of the new family, the father of faith. And he blesses Abram. You see it? To begin something new that then culminates... When the seed shall come, because see, something not of this generation, something not tied to Adam, had to, something not tied to the fall, had to mediate a power into the man who is going to release his seed that will one day carry the person who will be the human being who will come in the order of Melchizedek as a high priest over humanity to restore all things. See it? So when you come under the Melchizedek priesthood, you're coming under that blessing, you're coming under the power of an endless life, and you're going to experience by grace through faith a transformation of your own consciousness. All right, let me look at my notes. Is this making sense to you? Yeah. Let's look at we're in Hebrews chapter nine. Let's look at verse um, six. He's talking about the Levitical priesthood here. That's tied to the law. That's tied to carnality. That's tied to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's tied to Adam's fall and death. Do you see it? You're tracking with me, in other words. So Hebrews nine verse six. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the services. But in the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. Now, conscience is a poor translation there. It, it could also be translated consciousness. So what it's saying is all this external stuff that the Levitical priesthood is doing cannot bring you to maturity in your consciousness. It's all about consciousness. It's an old word, conscience. Science is knowledge. Con is with. It's knowledge together with something. So it's not conscience like we think about it. It's consciousness. 
Are you breathing? All right. It's concerned only with foods and drinks and various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of the Reformation. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. Which means there's other creations. Sila. Pause and meditate on that for a little bit. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sacrifices for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience or consciousness from dead works to serve the living God. The purpose of the blood. Oh, Jesus, help me. The purpose of the priesthood is not to mediate some kind of pagan form of appeasement with an angry God to reconcile him to you so he'll bless you. The purpose, according to here, the purpose of the blood is to affect the consciousness to move you away from death and into the power of an endless life. I I, I did a message. It's been one of my most watched messages. Uh, I, I called it the cross will blow your mind. You remember that? Because Jesus was crucified where? At the place of the skull. Calvary comes from a Latin word calvaris, which has to do with the skull. Right? And so what, what we're seeing there is that the cross is supposed to affect your consciousness. Not God's consciousness, your consciousness. Oh, <laughs> Isaiah 53 says, The chastisement that was needful to obtain peace for us was upon Him. Not the chastisement needful to obtain peace for God was upon Him. There's a big difference. So it's supposed to do something in your mind. And you know what I got accused of? P- Pastor Aaron doesn't believe in the blood. And I even told the guy, I said, he died, didn't he? He shed his blood when he died. What do you mean I don't believe in the blood? And you know what he did? He left that meeting, got on my Facebook page and said, Pastor Aaron doesn't believe in the blood. (laughs) But they can't get it. They can't see it because they're tied to the tree of the knowledge. They're they're tied to the serpent and the serpent seed. I'm telling you, they're tied to deception and lies about God and about who he is. And they're hiding in their own fig leaves in the trees of the garden from from God because they think he's angry. Because the God that they serve is an absolute monster who has to torture his own son to feel better about you. And then if you don't accept it, you damn you to hell, eternal conscious torment for all eternity while he waits to burn the whole thing up, fry the whole thing up in a nuclear holocaust. That's scary. <laughs> we were talking the other night, I don't know how many of you remember A Thief in the Night. Oh, it was an old 70s movie about the rapture and stuff, and then they followed it up with, what was the other one? Um, some, somebody knew. A Distant Thunder and all that stuff. And we were talking about how traumatized we all were in our childhood and nightmares and who didn't come home and their, their parents were gone and they thought, oh my God, I missed the rapture. and. Because you're going to be left behind. I mean, we got a God that's going to abandon you. we got a God that's going to fry you. In that system. 
It's Levitical. It's, it's tied to the, and so we gotta make sure, we gotta figure out what's right, what's wrong. We gotta figure out, make sure we do the good and eschew the evil. So, and, and it's all the tree of knowledge. <laughs> it's all the fallen mind of Adam. It's not Melchizedek. It's not life. It's not grace through faith. It, so the blood does something. I gotta get into my message. The, bl- <laughs> the, the blood does something in your consciousness. Coming under the order of Melchizedek does something in your consciousness. It changes something for you. You know how we know? Cause come with me. Let's look at our father, Abraham. Our father, Abraham. Genesis 15. Genesis 14. The last thing you read about. Okay. So I, I, I got lost. So Abram slaughters the kings. Meaning he kills the I wills. I will exalt myself above the throne of God. I will be like the Most High. I will sit on the highest sides of the north. I will decide for myself what is good and evil. You see it? So he slaughters the kings. When he slaughters the kings, then Melchizedek comes out to meet him. Where did he come from? (laughs) He comes out. Ah, see? He comes out to meet him. Yeah. He comes out to meet him as the king of peace, which means God, because because he's Melchizedek, meaning king of righteousness, king of Salem, meaning king of peace. So God's sending a messenger of peace, a high priesthood of peace, long before he sent Jesus to represent him. He's not angry. He's not trying to figure out how to get the blessing away from you. He's trying to figure out how to get the blessing into you. So he shows up to Abram, who represents the entire race, but not one that would be tied to a genetic seed, but one that would be tied to a spiritual seed. Not one that would be tied to a natural birth in Jewish, but one who would be tied to a spiritual birth, being born from above, and and, and would become a people of faith, who knew how to live in the grace of God, who knew how to eat at the tree of, of life, and who lived and operated not by carnal ordinances, and do's and don'ts, and laws and regulations, and trying to figure it all out and make sure you got it all right but living by the power of an endless life under a priest who facilitates something inside of you by the blood of Jesus Christ that completely transforms your consciousness away from dead works that you might serve the living God not not some God way out in outer space someplace not some God that you can't get to know not some God that breaks fellowship with you because you sin no some God who Not a scorekeeping God. Not a Santa Claus God. Not a slot machine in the sky. Let's pull the lever and see what we get this time. And maybe I can find somebody anointed enough that knows how to pull the lever better than I do so I can get more. Genesis 15 verse 1. Are you guys feeling good? After these things, after Melchizedek mediates the blessing that God promised to Abram into Abram. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid. What did Adam do? He hid himself from the presence of God because he was afraid. 
So here God is encountering someone and starting over by saying, don't be afraid. But the only way he could respond that way was because there had come a blessing from the high priest to break the power of the fear of death and the fear of God off of Abram so that his consciousness could be transformed from one of fear and limitation into one of faith and abundance. Do not be, watch this, do not be afraid. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. He brings a revelation of himself that's totally other than what Adam had. If Adam would have realized when God came in the garden in the cool of the day that he was his shield, that he was his exceeding great reward, in spite of the condition that he found himself in, things would have been totally different for humanity. But it's also showing us the transformation of our own consciousness. Who hasn't been afraid of God? Who hasn't at one time prayed the sinner's prayer 15,000 times because you didn't want to go to hell? (laughs) Or try to figure out exactly what you got to do to get in or stay in or whatever. So that, that, that transformation of consciousness has to come to us. We have to come to the place where we stop being afraid of encounters with God and realize that regardless of our condition, regardless of our shape, regardless of our pain, regardless of our brokenness, we can come to Him and not be afraid and realize whatever we're fighting, He's our shield and whatever we need, He's got because He is our shield and our exceedingly great reward. Oh, hallelujah. And how does he respond? But, but, what is but? I object. Watch the transformation of consciousness here. But Abram said, so in other words, he's not aligning with who God says he is. Because really what you're seeing is Abram, to become the father of faith, has to first override the father of death. He has to work himself out of the consciousness and the fallen mind of Adam into the higher mind of Christ. Melchizedek, by the way, let me give you this, because this helps. So we did this last week, so, you know, if this doesn't make sense to you, get, get last week's message. This is what Melchizedek's name means. Yes, it means king of righteousness, but when you break down the Hebrew letters, here's what it means. The water above us, which also represents the consciousness from above, or the mind of God, or the mind of Christ, descending and binding to our hearts, where it is received and it releases our full spiritual potential, rejoining heaven and earth, and creating a door again for the manifestation of heaven upon earth through you. That's what happens. That's what's happening to Abram. The consciousness, now that he has the blessing of Melchizedek, the consciousness from above. Okay, so Abram, the last letter is Mem. The word Melchizedek begins with Mem. Now here's the now I did this last week but I'm going to do it again. In Hebrew, when you see the letter, you are also seeing the number sequentially. 40 is typically the number for a generation. The generation that died off in the wilderness was 40 years. Now tie this with what we've been saying about Melchizedek. He had neither father nor mother, so he was not of Adam's generation. 
When God preached the gospel to the serpent, he said a new generation, a new seed is coming that will crush your head. When he talks to Abram, he says, in you and in your seed will all the nations of the earth be blessed, right? So 40, mem is the number 40. So right now you see a generation, right? But it's a higher mind, the higher generation, not of this world, without father, without mother, without beginning of days or end of life, without genealogy. You see it? Now watch this. Mem, Lamed, Kof, Yod. I think I got that right. Mem, Lamed, Kof, Yod. That's the first part of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Got it? Mem is 40. Lamed is 30. Kof is 20. And Yod is 10. So you're seeing a sequential of 10 steps down from a a higher generation and a higher mind. 40, 30, 20, 10. Sade, I did this last week, is nine. It takes nine months for a new generation, for a new seed. Watch this. Abram, Aleph, Beth, Resh, Mem. Consciousness. So you have the higher consciousness coming down to come over the lower consciousness. The Mem meeting the Mem in order to exalt and elevate it out of the fallen mind of Adam and in away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to eat at the tree of life. Not by carnal ordinances, by the power of an endless life. Do you see it? All right, let's keep reading here. Genesis 15. Then Abram said, (laughs) but Abram said, Lord God, What will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? See, God could not, if Abram was going to become the new father, God could not let him have kids through his own seed until he'd met Melchizedek and received the blessing. Then, and now watch what he says. Watch these words. Lord God, what will you give me, seeing, everybody say with me, seeing. I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, look. How did God appear to Abram? In a vision. You see all the visual cues here? Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come after your own will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside. Everybody say he brought him outside. He brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. The word when it says he brought him out is the word that we translate 
Exodus. It's the same word. He took them through the Exodus. Exodus from what? See, you got to understand, Old Covenant, external, carnal. New Covenant, internal, life. So in the Old Covenant, it, you have an Exodus. You have literal slaves being delivered from a literal Pharaoh in literal bondage, being taken to a literal promised land that flows with milk and honey. That's why God told Abram, your seed will be like the sand of the seashore because you'll have an earthly seed that will all be externalized. That, that everything that has to be internal... Okay, here's how it goes. Everything that has... Here, listen to this statement very closely. Everything that has to be worked out in us for the transformation of our consciousness from the fallen mind of Adam to the higher mind of Christ has been put on display externally throughout the Old Testament. So that you can have a model and a pattern as a fleshly oriented person eating at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that can work inside you to transform your consciousness to bring you to the place of the higher mind of Christ through the Melchizedek priesthood and by eating at the tree of life. So, but he shows it to you ahead of time in Abram. Abram goes through an exodus. So he's not taking him outside. See, we miss it. Because we think, oh, he must have been laying in his tent. Probably not. Not like they just hung out in their bedroom and listened to their earbuds or texted on their phone. So funny, one of the tribes we've been privileged to work with in Africa and Kenya is the Maasai. And the Maasai still do a lot of things like they did thousands of years ago. They have the hearths in their house and all kinds of really cool people. But we go into the house and they're all laying on the dirt there in their red garments, you know, with their ears that have the, they bore the big holes in their ears and they're all laying there with all that and they got their phones and they're like, this. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Texting on their phones, messaging on their phones. It's so funny. But Abram wasn't doing that, you get it? So he's not taking him outside because he was inside and he had to show him something. He's taking him outside of his own consciousness. See, watch. What will you give me seeing I go childless and Eleazar of Damascus will be my heir? And behold, the word of the Lord comes to him and says, this one shall not be your heir, but an heir from your own body. What? What? Abram's response, right? So what does he do? He takes him through an exodus. He takes him outside. He takes him outside. He connects the exodus. Watch this. He takes him outside through an exodus and then shows him the heavens. And the word heaven in Hebrew, Hashamayim, one of the meanings of it is the expanse or the expander or that which is broader and bigger. So he has him look with a bigger... Ver- See, look what... Here's what he's doing. What are you going to give me seeing I go childless? And look, this one that's Abram or that's whatever his name was of Damascus, Eliezer of Damascus, he's going to be my heir. And God takes him outside. 
It says, lift up your head and look into the expander. And see the stars of the sky. And so shall your seed be. No longer Adam. No longer earthbound. No longer working the soil through the sweat of the brow. But now you shall be seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So shall your seed be. Because our high priest, Jesus, after the order of Melchizedek, is going to bring the higher mem and come down 40, 30, 20, 10, 9. Grab the lower mem, the lower waters, the lower consciousness, and raise it up to meet his. And maybe, just maybe, that was some of what Paul was talking about when he said, those of us who are alive at the coming of the Lord will be raised up and meet him in the air. And there we shall ever be with the Lord. Maybe he's not talking about your end time scary abandoning God stuff at all. Maybe he's talking about the lower mind coming out of the grave. As the higher mind descends with the trumpet of the gospel blowing. And the shout of the archangel who oversees the whole project to make sure that it's completed. And we learn to live no longer earthbound, but so shall your seed be in the expanse like the stars of the sky. And maybe when that happens, a we break the bonds of the Levitical priesthood and we break the bonds of death and we break the bonds of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we come into the place of life and those who die... Oh, I'm going I'm to piss off a religious spirit right now. <laughs> and maybe what he's saying when he says those who preceded us, those who died... Maybe what he's talking about is what the creeds talk about, the communion of the saints. Because when you're elevated into a heavenly consciousness, you realize that the Lord never shows up, but that he's the Lord of the hosts of heaven. (laughs) It even says in Zechariah, not by power nor by might, not by the strength of Adam's hand, but by my spirit says the Lord of the hosts. So if you're going to meet the Lord in the air, you've got to understand there's hosts that are going to be with him. And when your consciousness is transformed and it's no longer bound by fear and it's no longer bound by earthly limitations and it's no longer bound by the five physical senses, but all of a sudden there's a transformation of consciousness that brings you into the place of the heavens, into the place of the expanse, and you realize that the seed of Abraham is a seed of faith and you begin to operate by faith and say, I may not be able to feel it, but there is invisible support around me. All my friends may have abandoned me. Everybody may have called me a heretic. I may not look like I've got any natural means of support. But the fact of the matter is, 
that I came here with invisible support. The fact of the matter is great that there are more that are with me than that are against me. I brought more angels with me this morning than there are people in this room, people listening by podcast or people watching on YouTube. Because Paul, because later on in Hebrews, it says, We have not come to a mountain that can be touched, but we have come unto Mount Zion. Not something on the physical plane. Not when we die someday. Not when we hope to get there. Not when we fly away, O oh glory. Not when we all get to heaven and we sing the victory. He says, No, we have come to a mountain that cannot be touched. He said, We... He, he said, We have come to an innumerable company of angels. He said, we have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. He says, we have come to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Oh, why? Do you see the pattern beginning to unfold? What's the blood of Abel? The blood of Abel is the blood that's shed by the seed of Adam. Ah. And it speaks to you. The blood of Abel speaks to you all the time. Because it's the life of the lower mind. But when you come into this heavenly arena, you come to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. But you've come to an innumerable company of angels. And then it says this, you've come to the spirits of just people made perfect. If you're waiting to get, if you're waiting to get into heaven, you have more faith in your death than you do the death of Christ. Think about that one. So maybe meeting the saints in the air has absolutely nothing to do with being left behind because you didn't get your information right. Maybe it has to do with a people who come into their own as children of faith who are like the stars of the sky, who are now operating out of heavenly unseen dimensions and realms and know how to activate and shift things from that realm. The law of the Lord shall go forth from Zion, but not the Levitical law. The law of the new covenant the law of grace, the law of life, the law of Melchizedek, a kingdom of priests, a priesthood that is anointed to be mediators to humanity, functioning in the same order and in the same series, who also function as kings and queens, who are able to mediate from God to humanity but also are able to rule with authority to break the bondages. So what Moses did externally, we do every day internally when we let our light shine. Sometimes, now make it real practical and I'm done. Sometimes all it takes is a kind word to break the power of a spirit of depression off of someone's life. I'm going to tell you a story. There was a... uh, There was a... uh, uh, I gotta make sure I don't tell too much. Think for a second the best way to say it. There's a lady who's <laughs> coming to our church. And unbeknownst to any of us, one of these appeared very happy on the outside. This was years ago. She's since moved to Denver, so her job took her away. She's coming to our church. 
And we had a prayer meeting on a, I think it was like a Monday night. She shows up at the prayer meeting. She says, I just have to tell you something. She said, on a particular Saturday night, not long ago, I had made up my mind that I was going to end my life. I had written out my suicide notes and letters, and I had decided on Sunday, and I forget how she told me she was going to do it, but she had the plan in place and everything. She was going to do it Sunday afternoon. And she said, you know, I'm going to visit Aaron's church. I've been meaning to visit, and I haven't visited. So before I do any of this, I'm going to visit Aaron's church. And I wish I could tell you. No, I don't really wish. It'd make me look better. If I could tell you it was the word that she heard that day, set her free. She didn't hear a word. She's sitting there in her own misery. I wish I could tell you that the gifts of the Spirit were moving. That was one of those times when the gifts of the Spirit were moving, and I called her out and laid hands on her and gave her word, and it broke the spirit of death and suicide off of her life. Heck, I even wish I could tell you it was our anointed praise and worship like David when he played and the spirits left Saul. She came in. She was in such a bad state. She was completely unaffected. She got up. She left. She said, well, I didn't get anything there. So she had planned in the evening to follow through. But we had this little ministry, (laughs) just some precious people who we wanted to let visitors know that they were important to us, that we cared about them. And And so we would bring them a little package of cookies. And we said, you know, we don't want to wait till Thursday or Friday or Saturday. We want them to know right away that we appreciated them coming. So we're going to get it there within the first 24 hours. We're going to get it there on Sunday afternoon. So while you and I and everybody else goes off and enjoys our Sunday lunch and talks about what kind of crazy stuff we heard in church or didn't hear or liked or didn't like or beat the Baptist to the buffet or whatever. (laughs) Or the Methodists or the Episcopalians or the heathens, whatever. Or the Wiccans or whoever. Right? she sat there on that Monday night. She said, I was ready to kill myself. And she said, all of a sudden, there was a knock on my door. And I opened up my door. And there was, I can't remember if it was one person or a couple, beautiful smile. And they handed me the most beautiful basket of cookies. And the moment they handed me that basket of cookies, a wave of something came over me. And I snapped out of wanting to kill myself. And all my depression left me. And I haven't been suicidal since. And we hung on to that little lady as long as she was with us. And she was doing good when she left. And so what I'm saying is, you know, we have this idea that it's got to happen a certain way. That, That somehow, because see what happened, just that... That gesture, that kind gesture of love 
and the intention of the person bringing it. Broke the power of darkness. Brought her out of darkness. Brought her out of the lower mem into the higher mem. But see, the higher mem is a, is a mem of service, isn't it? It's a mem of service. It's a mem that says, I'm willing to let, I'm willing to let go of my life. So that I can serve, but not serve from this lowly doormat place, but serve from this higher place in the heavens. And sometimes that just means smiling. Sometimes that just means being nice. Being nice when you shouldn't. You have no idea what that waitress or waiter or clerk that's doing their best to count back your change at McDonald's. You have no idea what they've been through. I'll never, I'll never forget it. Last thing, I don't want to talk about suicide, but we had a, a good friend that we worked with in retail many, many years ago. His 15-year-old daughter got on Prozac, and this was before Prozac had been fully vetted. And many of you know that it can cause suicide ideation. And so she took her own life, tragically, 15 years old. And you got to love corporate America because, you know, you lose your daughter, they'll give you three days bereavement time. At best, and expect you to be right back at work. And I'll never forget about a week later, about a week after that happened, his name was Doug. And I was walking by Doug's station, and there was a, he, so, he sold furniture. And there was a, uh, a woman, or a man, I can't remember which, just ripping him. Just ripping into him. Because the sofa came in the wrong color. But you know what? I've been the guy on the other side ripping the person when I didn't get what I wanted or what I ordered or what I expected. And you just never know. You just never know, do you? How close... Somebody may be living to the edge. What they may, what kind of hell, what kind of slavery, what kind of bondage internally they may be living in. And so, if we're going to walk in this thing, it takes on a whole new dimension of responsibility. But not because you're afraid the big man in the sky is going to smack you down if you do wrong. But because you realize I'm a carrier of something that changes the world. And I have a responsibility to act like it in every interaction that I have. You don't have to change the world. Listen, don't try to change the world. It was screwed up before you got here. It's screwed up now, and it's going to be screwed up after you leave. If that was true of Jesus, honey, don't put that kind of pressure on yourself. 
All you got to do is touch the one. Man, all you got to do is deliver that package of cookies and they would have never known that by delivering that package of cookies, they probably saved a woman's life and her family untold agony. One simple little thing. Pretty sobering, isn't it? (laughs) But you cannot set somebody free from their hell until you're free from your own. You cannot consistently let your light shine when your own mind and heart is filled with darkness. And that's why this Melchizedek priesthood is so important. Because by grace, the blessing came on Abram. By grace, the waters from above descended and were received in the heart to release his spiritual potential to become the father of faith (laughs) in order to become the doorway through which heaven could meet earth and God could once again have access to the mind of humanity. And Abram believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. My brothers and sisters that are pastors and teachers, you cannot even talk about justification by faith if you don't understand the Melchizedek priesthood. Let's pray. Father, we bless you for who you are. Thank you for the wonder of who you are. Lord, if there's anything that it would be my heart's desire that people get from this message, it's that we don't have to be afraid that you are our shield and that you are our exceedingly great reward. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you today to move upon these waters, to move upon these waters, to move upon these mems of the lower mind and the lower consciousness and incubate and reside and fill with your glory and your power and your blessing until there is such a transformation that a new creation comes forth, that a birth from above takes place, and that our minds and our hearts begin to ascend from the lower regions of Sheol and ascend into the higher realms of Hashamayim. And Father, I ask this in the wonderful name of our High Priest, who came to us, the High Priest of Humanity, who is from the order of Melchizedek, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. God bless you.